0: to that week because it was always intense. The
1: man, the myth, the legend, Dante Hall. My my, my favorite player growing up was Dante Hall. I love you guys still, but Dante was my guy.
0: Get the dashes cause you still on the warfate.
1: This episode of Chief Concerns is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, Combat Sports, Esports, and even Golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting Props and futures. Head to bet online today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code believe 50 that's B L E A V 5 0, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Hey everybody, happy new year and welcome to the first uh, post-game Chiefs uh, concerns episode of the 2023. We hope everyone had a, a nice uh, New Year's Eve last night and obviously uh Chiefs won today so everyone should at least have had a decent New Year's Day. Um, Lance, how are you doing buddy?
0: Happy New, happy new Year, Marcus. Uh, I feel good. I would have felt a lot better if that game would have went the way I was expecting it to, but we talk about it all the time, man, that even though it might be an unnecessarily stressful game, the Chiefs find a way to pull these games out far more times than they don't. But we're here to discuss it, man. We're here to break it down. I'm excited to be here with you, brother.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, and our guy, JD, um, may be joining us. Uh, he's at he's in uh, the mountains right now with his family, um, enjoying New Year's with his family. So the signal spotty, so he may or may not be joining us, but... Uh, Either way, Lance and I will be here to break it down for you guys, uh, some of the big things from this episode, uh, from this game. Um, and I got to say, man, I know all year we talk about Chief fans. Chris Jones is a household name for us, uh, but he's not really a nationally known guy. You know, people talk about, you gets know, a player of the year. They talk about Parsons. they talk about Bosa. But Chris Jones doesn't really get uh, all that pub uh, out there. And I got to say today, man, he really showed, why he should be a consideration for Kansas Player of the Year, um, and I mean that end of that game, he put, put the team on his back. I mean offense, I don't know. Mahomes looked kind of off the whole game today. Uh, his footwork, his mechanics looked off, and he even said in the postgame he did not, he didn't feel right. He was throwing, making throws off his wrong foot. Uh, just didn't look right at all. Well, Chris Jones, man. Going, doing what he did to Russ and uh, just got, kind of dominating that O line um, and, you know, getting a sack, getting pressure. Uh, I think he, Chase Evans almost had that first down at the end of the game that would have continued the game. Uh, Chris Jones was there to make that tackle. Uh, so, what did you make of Chris Jones uh, today and his performance uh, in helping us get that uh, 15th straight victory over uh, Denver uh, going back to 2015?
0: Yeah, I was really impressed with Chris, what Chris Jones did. Um, I think what's happening is, is that. Chris Jones gets overlooked because there are guys, I think in today's NFL especially, and honestly, I think it's been a, a, a historic thing, where edge rushers, they tend to get the, the the glitz and the glam. They tend to get the attention because they end up having the sack totals. And obviously, we know that sacks are a lot like you know home runs in baseball, where that's the number we always look at about how good a player is. Now, Chris Jones is always going to get his sacks. I think he averages around eight, eight and a half, nine per season in his career, which is really good, especially considering his position and how he's had multiple uh, defensive schemes he's played under in Bob Sutton and Steve Spagnolo's. He's never really slowed down. He's always been an effective player. But the difference between this year and really any season outside of his 2016 season or 2017 season is the fact that, that Chris Jones is doing things at a higher level that aren't just in the stat column. You're seeing him, I think last week he had a, a season-high nine pressures. Today I think he had six. I mean, he's doing things, he's disrupting the, the the quarterback play in far more ways than just getting sacks. Now we want to see we want to see this team get sacks. I think they're fourth in the league in sacks as a team, and Chris Jones is headlining that. But you're make, you're seeing Chris Jones making the job for the guys around him that much easier each and every week by going and getting the focus. Cause we know that offensive lines are always gonna pay attention to where Chris Jones is. Where's 95? That's the guy we got to target, that's the guy we gotta make sure to neutralize. He's he's taking even more focus, if that makes sense, to where guys like George Karloftis can now have five sacks in his last six games. Carlos Dunlap, an aging veteran that was almost forgotten going into this year, is playing out of his mind right now. Wow. Mike Dana being an effective player, Colin Saunders, Brandon Williams, all these guys are making plays. I mean, shit, man. Colin Saunders got a free release because Nick Bolton and Chris Jones were crashing the middle of the field. And Chris, Colin Saunders, who's like Warren Sapp out there with the 99 jersey, is getting a free release to Russell Wilson. That's credit to what Chris Jones is doing, man. So he's playing at his absolute peak right now. And I just can't put it into words. I know he's not, like I said, he's not going to get the, the looks of Micah Parsons and Vaughn Miller and, 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 and TJ Watt and all these other big-time names, you know, Nick Boza because those guys are going to put up numbers in the the sack column that are bigger than Chris Jones, but he's just as valuable as all those guys.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, we could, you could go uh, and say that we wouldn't have 13 wins without him. We, we, you know, we'd be good not nine or 10 win team without him this year. Um, And there's a guy on offense too, that I will. I I pulled out four things from this game. that stood out to me. Um, There's a guy on offense. And I think we didn't have this guy. We'd have, we'd be an eight, eight or nine win team this year. Offensively. Um, so yeah, he made all the great points about Chris Jones. Um, I think if he played on a team like Dallas or New York, we'd be hearing more about him. But because he plays on Kansas City, we don't we don't hear enough about uh, Chris. And I, I think you go through a lot of guys in our history. I think there's a lot of guys who get more who get more pub if they play for uh, other teams outside of Kansas City. Um, so big thing we talked about pretty much every episode, um, on our regular Chief Concerns show and the post game show is uh, the special teams blunders. And they continued again uh, this week. Uh, you got the the missed field goal, you missed PAT, um, which, you know, the Dustin Colquitt, Tommy Townsend drama, uh, Colquitt called out uh, Tommy's holds. Uh, now, uh, I mean, today's, you could say, it, you could argue it was the holds on Tommy, um, or you know the blocking was uh, atrocious too on the play where the uh, the kick before halftime that got tipped it looked like uh, so I don't think it was a hold necessarily but that special teams too the blocking looked atrocious um, and then Gennaros Tony not muffing a punt but fumbling the punt return um, it's just like every week there's a new there's a new thing to point at with the special team, and it's like you and, and we've had teams like this in the past where. The teams who are awful on special teams, those are the teams that don't even make the playoffs. Those are 5 and 11, four, are 5 and 12, four and, 4 and 13 type teams. And we're a good team and we're having these special teams issues. And it's like, what's going on? I mean, what is it? I, 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 every week we try to figure out what it is on, on special teams, but what is it? I mean, what, 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 do you, what do you think, Lance? Because every week it's something else.
0: Look, I think. Considering the fact that the Chiefs have had so much influx with their roster this offseason, I think the defense has around five or six guys starting that are rookies or young players. The offense has a lot of young guys that are playing big roles, special teams, same thing. The difference is you're seeing the adjustments adjustments being made on both the offense and defensive side because that's praise to the coaching. You see Andy Reid, Steve Spagnuolo make the necessary adjustments, and their defense and their offense plays better because of it. So this is going to come down to me to Dave Toe. What's he doing? What, what changes are he making? I know that our guy, JD, has said multiple times on the show that when there are blunders on special teams and they're continuous, you have to make changes. Okay, well, the, the, the Chiefs are running out of players to interchange in the or to change out in those positions. So, what is the coaching staff doing to get these guys in a better mindset? Because at this point, the Chiefs don't really have many, many more choices. Kadarius Tony, at this tra- time, without McCole Hardman, it would be the most reliable asset back there. And he's putting the ball on the ground. And it's and to me, honestly, Marcus, the, the punt returning stuff is not even my biggest concern right now. My biggest concern when it comes to special teams is what you mentioned first and foremost, is that Bunker and these guys still can't, they continue to leave points on the board, even when Bunker hasn't been there. We look back at the Colts game. I remember how difficult that was, how difficult of a game that was for us to talk about on this show, when the Chiefs left several points on the board, man, multiple missed field goals, multiple PATs, just blunder after blunder, and they lose that game by three points to a team they had no business losing to. This is the same type of game today, and the Chiefs found a way to pull it out, granted, but they left four damn points. Points on the board, man, and that doesn't even include Kadarius Toney putting the Broncos within the twenty-yard line on the very next play. Russell Wilson turns the clock back seven years. He rushes the ball in for his first of his two touchdowns. And it's an unnecessarily close game because of special teams blunders. We talk about how the three phases matter so much and honestly, equally. Because the offense could have been great today. Defense could have been great today. But if the special teams puts the ball on the ground and they keep missing kicks, the Chiefs can still lose games. And as you're getting closer to the postseason, this is not something you can afford to be dealing with. And when it's a season-long problem, like I said, dating back to week two, week three, the Chiefs are dealing with this all the way to now. This is something that we should legitimately be concerned about. I'm not saying that the Chiefs are going to lose because of it. But if, if it does happen would it honestly shock any of us cuz it would not shock me at all man leaving points on the board against a Joe Burrow or a Josh Allen or a Lamar Jackson or even a Justin Herbert cannot happen man because those guys will make you bang.
1: Yeah cuz I mean, you forget about the obviously the turnovers that's awful um in our, you know negative 5 going into this game today and I think we came out we had two turnovers they had two turnovers so still a negative 5 um I mean, you talk about, you know, just the turnovers aspect, but then you talk about the the, the leading the points in the field. It's like we're going to be competing with Buffalo, Cincinnati, the teams that we can't afford to – hey, we can't afford to have drive stall out and go for field goals anyway. But if we are going to have that happen – you know, let's make, let's make our kicks. Um, and you talk about the missing missing PATs. That's That hurts us more than anything else. We go not do a shootout with, with Burrow or Josh Allen. We're getting six. They're getting seven. Um, I mean, that, that, that that's going to bite us in the ass. But the special teams aspect, you know, every week when people want to talk about play calling, being shitty. They want to talk about uh, defense, bags uh, not, not being able to bring up a good enough defense against these other teams we are playing. But then it's just special teams that I, I, I think – Consistently or throughout this year, it's just been atrocious. And actually, you go start starting back with the Indianapolis game, which is our first post game show we had together. That was the yep. first game where it was like, yep, special teams is gonna be an issue this year. Yep, um, rough. Okay, so the other topic, um, and if you look at the last, I believe, five games, this guy has seven touchdowns for us. Um, and at times you look at our offense and it's so just like bread, it just, just looks atrocious. But then we get him the ball. And we start we start getting things happening, you know. You got you got a spark of a twelve yard run, or a a spark of a twenty yard catch, where you know today's, for example, McKinnon, you had know, that one catch downfield where he had like the two spin moves and you know, a little juke. I made a tweet about it. It, was like, it looked like you know you're playing Xbox. You, know, you, you you press B, you got you got you're shifting the, you know, the analog stick to the left. I mean, McKinnon has been so special to us, and I think if you take away Jerick McKinnon from our team this year, we're not a thirteen win team. I mean, he's helped us so much that like. Him and him and Pat probably the most and Kelsey obviously, but those three without without McKinnon, I don't think we're a thirteen win team this year. And on top of that, um Jarek McKinnon's playing the way I thought CH was gonna be for us, and I tweeted that out earlier. Yes. McKinnon is everything we thought CH would be. That receiver out of the backfield, that kind of that explosive type of guy that we saw at LSU, we haven't seen it in the NFL. And that's what Jarek McKinnon's been. Um do you agree that this team would be a thirteen win team if we didn't have uh, Jarek McKinnon
0: this year? No, no, I don't, because the Chiefs are winning games a lot of times because of what McKinnon's doing for the team. I mean, look at look at just the two Broncos games. The Chiefs won the first game by six, and they won the second game by three. In both games, Jarek McKinnon scored multiple touchdowns. So this, the, he is the one that is making the ultimate difference, because no offense to Travis Kelsey, he's a Hall of Famer. He's the greatest tight end who's ever lived, and he is obviously the number one option for this team. But outside of Jarek McKinnon, there has not been a single guy that has been more consistently deadly for this team over the last month there is just, he's just not there. Juju's not effective enough. MBS can't catch passes, and when he's open, Patrick, for whatever reason, can't hit him. McColl's been out for eight, nine weeks. There's nobody else. Kazarius Tony has shown promises. He's showing life, but he's just now getting into the full. Jared McKinney's not been with his team for two years, man. And we saw the late-season surge that he had last year, but the man just set a record today for most consecutive games with a receiving touchdown for a running back in NFL history with five consecutive games. The man in the last month has 25 receptions for 256 yards and seven touchdowns. Seven. That's that's stupid. He has more receiving touchdowns this season than Tyreek Hill. This dude's the running back three for this team, and he's playing like an MVP on this team. He's Clutch McKinnon, man. That's why I gave him that name, because when this offense needs that juice, you saw in the third quarter they come out three consecutive three-and-outs. They don't run the ball, but that can be a difference. A discussion for another time. Jarek McKinnon makes plays when they need him the most. Isaiah Pacheco is obviously running back one. The dude will get those dirty four or five yard rushes whenever the Chiefs give him opportunities to. I digress. But Jarek McKinnon is doing something in the past game that the Chiefs have absolutely needed more so than ever because of the fact that you lose the dynamics of Tyreek Hill. That's the one area, that's the one spot the Chiefs have to continuously miss Tyreek Hill. But when you're getting plays out of the backfield like this from Jarek McKinnon, it doesn't matter who else you have out there, man. As long as he's healthy, and as long as he's doing what they're doing, guys, this offense will continually score points in big moments because he continues to extend drives and make big plays and big stretches and big games.
1: He's probably one of our most consistent pass catchers, to be quite honest with you. When yes. we throw to it him, it's like it's a it's an automatic catch most of the time. Yes. Um, so you mentioned Pacheco, um, and this game. You know, a lot of ways. You know, the special teams was awful. Um, you had the you had the missed field goals. Um, Pat didn't look right, and with Pat not looking right, we still wanted to prove a point, I guess, with, with Pat uh, today. I, I don't know what it was. I thought we, I think we wanted to get him to five thousand yards. Um, I, I don't know what it was, but there, this today seemed like there was a refusal to run the ball. Um, and like you look at the numbers, and obviously as you're watching the games, like run the ball. That last drive before we got that final stop on Denver, we passed it twice, and I'm like, second it down." We pass, incomplete pass. Third down, we pass, incomplete pass. Like we're not even trying to run the ball. It's like kill clock here. What's going? What's going on? I I don't understand what's going on. And then you look at the numbers after getting the box score: 42 passing attempts, 16 k- total carries for the team. Pacheco nine carries. What's going? I mean. What, what what is it? I mean, were we trying to prove a point and have Packel those five thousand yards? I mean, what I mean, what, what was it? I, why aren't we running the ball? I, mean, I know that's at the, at the Andy Reid's MO, but I feel like today specifically, passing game did not look good. But yet we still continue to throw the ball forty-two times, and we only ran the ball with our with our bell cow nine times. Come on.
0: Well, when you're when you're a head coach, actually, I put myself in the position of Andy Reid, and if I was a head coach for seventeen, eighteen years. And I had to make the most out of Alex Smith, Donovan Nab Jeff Garcia, Kevin Cobb, all these other guys. I have to rely on my run game a lot more times. So but he was still known notoriously as a pass-heavy schemer, as, yeah. as a head coach and as a, as a play caller. So now when he finally has not only the best quarterback he's ever had in his career as a head coach – But the best quarterback we've ever seen play football, I can understand why you want to get past happy, why you want to just throw the ball because Patrick is just so special and every single week he continues to show us just he can make plays no one else in the history of football can make. Having said that, though, when you you get so pass happy, even for a great like Patrick Mahomes, you're putting that much more pressure on him to have to be great, to have to be special, that when he goes in these little slumps like everybody does where you have a couple three-and-outs and he's not special every single drive, it puts that much more emphasis, oh, well, the defense has to save them now because we're not getting the running game in rhythm. I was talking to Clay Winler from Red Tribe Cinema. He was saying something. He was like, well, the run game's only getting like three, three and a half yards of carry today. Yes, but when you're only running the ball 12 times out of Patrick's, outside of Patrick's four scrambles, you're not giving him an opportunity to, to succeed. Because You know how this game goes. You can run the ball 12, 15 times, and on that 16th rush, you get a 50, 60-yard rush, and it breaks everything open. That's what this offense needs is an ab- giving Pacheco and McKinnon and whoever runs the Rock, even Rojo, giving these guys multiple opportunities to bring balance to this offense because that's all you need. We don't. The Chiefs don't need an offense that's going to rush for 160 yards a game. They're not the Browns. They're not the Eagles. Yeah. They're not teams that are going to rely, rely on the run game. But if you have a balanced attack, you're, you're going to make life very difficult for defenses like the Bengals who have beaten the Chiefs three straight times in one calendar year. The Bengals drop eight. Because they don't believe the Chiefs are going to run the ball on them. They're literally begging the Chiefs to run the damn ball on them. So what do you do? Run the damn ball. I know that today it's fitting because the game-deciding the game deciding play was Patrick rolling out and throwing that first down to Travis Kelsey. And I was saying just run the ball, run the clock down, make the Broncos use all their timeouts. And it worked. But here's the thing, man. What set that play up? Two running plays that got them in short distance. That was giving them the ability to get that ball to Travis Kelsey. That's my point. We obviously know this This team is only going to go as far as Patrick Mahomes takes them. We know this. We've addressed this. He's a $500 million quarterback, and the best quarterback in football is about to win a second MVP. Yep. But you have to have a balanced attack because if you don't do that, the Bengals are going to continue to do that. And if, in fact, the Chiefs face them in the AFC Championship or even earlier, you know the Bengals are going to bring that recipe again. They're going to say, all right, we're dropping eight. Let's see what you guys do. Let's see if you guys will finally get it, get the hint and run the damn ball. That's my only hope, man. Because if they don't do it, man, we could be seeing a fourth consecutive loss to a team like the
1: Bengals, and none of us want to see that happen. No, no <laughs> especially especially their fan base online—they're they're awful. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I will say so. We'll get to Cincinnati in a second, actually. Um, but ten—so uh, we had ten different pass catchers today catch a ball. Blake Bell, welcome back. It was going to see Blake Bell back out there. It looks like he's put on some weight, you know. Yeah, I think he's been. I, I don't think he's been on the field working out much. I think he's put on some, some pounds, but he looked good nonetheless. Um, I got to say, there was this series where he threw the interception in the red zone, uh, and we talk about a a weird like not try, not trying to, to run the ball. We didn't run the ball once. He had that one rollout where he almost got to Juju. He, he kind of like he had that. He slung it uh, to him, and it was a little bit outside of Juju's grasp, and then. He does the same kind of thing. He rolls out again and just like throws in there. And then it looked like it was Justin Watson, and that's when they had the interception. It Was like we didn't run once there. We went we went right to pass mode. I I don't I don't, I don't get that. Um, yeah, I, I I think sometimes, and and, I, and I'm not I'm not saying it's a knock Pat or Andy. I just think we we know what we have and we like to have fun with what we have. You know, it's like we know we have the best quarterback in the league. We like to throw math and like you know let's try to get a, put him, I, I, let him throw another him touchdown and like. Sometimes it's like just run the ball. It's that simple. Run the ball, gets three or four yards closer. Then take a shot and do something You know, do something cute with one of our tight ends. But um, 13-3, not going to be sad about it, uh, not at all. Okay, tomorrow night, big game. Um, we got – I will say, I think tomorrow's slate of college games and, and the Monday night game, I think it's a better slate of games than what we saw today, to be quite honest with you. Although 4, four o'clock games are actually not bad. Um so okay, so Cincinnati is hosting Buffalo. It looks like they're a one-point underdog tomorrow. Um, we we have a big big dog in this fight. Buffalo, Cincinnati wins, we get the one seed, we get the buy. I'm, I'm I'm happy that we, we go play Las Vegas next week. We beat we win that game over um, tomorrow night. Uh, what are the keys to victory? Now? Who do you have winning that game tomorrow night? Uh, Cincinnati Buffalo.
0: Yeah, the keys to the victory for the Bengals it's it's simple, man. Uh, they're gonna. I think they need to force the the Bills to run the ball. I think, that, I think that Josh Allen's going to want to make a statement in this game. I think that Josh Allen's going to go out there and want to throw the ball a lot to Stephon Diggs because this is the biggest game of the season for both of these franchises. And, um, and I think what's going to happen in this happen.
1: I, I can't hear you, buddy. Yo, Lance, I, I can't hear you, bud. Lance.
0: Bang. I think it's going to go over 50 points. Can you hear me?
1: I'm sorry, I'm having a mouthful. Here. Yeah, no, I can't hear you at all, buddy.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry, hold on,
1: hold on. You're good. Technical difficulties, people. I think Lance is figuring it out. All right. Oh, as you wait for Lance, I, you know, I got to say, I, I took um, uh, Cincinnati. I, I took Cincinnati money line in my, my parlay for the weekend, wait. so I think they should win at home one point. I don't know. Uh, Lance, you still there, buddy? You there? Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. you yeah, you, can sound you hear me? Cold. Yep, yep.
0: Awesome, awesome. So,
1: who do you have yeah, so, in the game for I, I don't
0: know. Yeah, no, go ahead. I, I know you had your take on the on the Bengals Bills.
1: No, I, I was saying I, I think you know it, it's crazy too because you, you had two fan bases who probably I think everyone every Chiefs fan on here knows that you get you get flooded with these tweets from these Bengals fans or and Bills fans all season long. And now we're in a predicament where we actually have to root for Cincinnati uh, tomorrow. We actually have a dog in the fight. Um, I think it's a, it's a, it's a pick him. I think it's the second highest total point game for the weekend. Um, I like Cincinnati to win this game. Um, I just think Buffalo has not looked sharp. And obviously, we're, we're speaking from Chiefs fans. We haven't looked sharp in the last month. Um, even that uh, the, uh, the two score game against us uh, at Seattle last week, we didn't look good. Uh, we haven't looked good in quite a while, actually, but we're winning. So Buffalo has not looked good. Cincinnati. They haven't, they've had some battles, but that's a resilient team. And we know playing in Cincinnati, it's, it's a tough place to play. I'll take the home team tomorrow with the, the, the one point, um uh, with, with one point they're giving me at home for uh, Cincinnati. But
0: what do you got tomorrow? Yeah. So the, the, this game, this, this line pisses me off. And I'm not, I'm not even a Bengals fan. The, the Bills are coming into this game as a one point favorite on the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have the over under thing at 49 and a half. Yep. Uh, here's what I understand. The Bengals have been the better team over the last two months than the Bills have been. The the Bengals have won nine out of ten in seven straight. And Joe Burrow, outside of Patrick Mahomes, has been the MVP in the NFL. I know that Jalen Hurts, all that talk has been great. And Jalen Hurts has been awesome this year. This is his second straight week he's missed. And Joe Burrow has been the one consistent piece for the Bengals all season long. They've had issues in the offensive line. They've had Joe Mixon out. They've had T. Higgins and Jamar Chase miss time. They've had their defense banged up. And yet, Joe Burrow continues to lead this team, and he's in the top five in just about every statistical category. And if I'm not mistaken, he's on pace to break the single-season completion percentage record over Drew Brees. Wow. So he's he's been unbelievable this year. And they're at home with everything to play for because if they win that game, and by some strange coincidence, the Chiefs happen to fall to the Raiders next week, the Bengals have the one seed in the, in the AFC. So there's everything to play for in this one. Quite frankly, Joe Burrow's got everything to play for because he has the bragging rights of saying, I beat Patrick Mahomes and Joe Josh Allen in the regular season. I'm coming in with the advantage on both these guys in the postseason. And more than likely, if I get this victory, there's a good chance both these guys have to come see me in the postseason. So, yeah, man, the Bengals have all the momentum in this game. And to be honest with you, man... Josh Allen has not been good for about eight, nine weeks now. He had really, he had a really good fourth quarter against the Dolphins that last game, but the Dolphins should have won that game in, in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And Josh Allen is 30th, I think, 30th in completion percentage. Uh, he leads the league in turnovers. Uh, he, I think he's a 28th in quarterback rating He over the last, like, uh, since the Chiefs game in week six. So he's been playing a lot of hero ball, and it's been fun to watch because as a football consumer, it's so cool to see this guy, this freak athlete, just running all over defenses when they have to do it. Yeah. But the Bengals are the type of defense that can stifle that out and force you to play a different style, especially in the second half. Their second half adjustments on defense are unprecedented. They are so smart, and they're studious at what they do. They see you do something in the first half, and they flip the script and make you. they force you to do something else and added dimension to your offense. The Bills don't have that added dimension. James Cook's been a solid running back, but do we have any certainty they can go in there and rush for over 120 yards in this game? Because I don't, and I think that's what it's going to take for you to beat the Bengals on the road. I think the Bengals can put up 27 to 30 points on the on the Bills' defense because I think this is going to be one of those games where we finally see them miss Von Miller because they're going to miss Von Miller, just a matter of when, not if. And I think this is one of those games because this Bengals offense is absolutely loaded, a motivated team, Monday night football at home with everything to play for. Give me the Bengals. And I'm going to say they beat the – I think I think they beat the Bills by seven plus.
1: Yeah. I, I agree. Um, I, I saw that line and I was like, I mean, gosh, both teams really have a lot to play for here. I mean, we, 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 talk, we talk about it. We, we, we talked about on the show a couple weeks ago, what's hard to play for, uh, you know, playing every week, knowing that if the team ahead of you slips up then you can leapfrog them, that's been our kind of situation. Cincinnati can, whether they get the one seat or not, Cincinnati can win and they at least get to the two spot. And if Buffalo has to play them, they got to travel to Cincinnati. And if, you know, who knows, we lose the Raiders next week. Jared Stidham looks pretty damn good right now at halftime. Um, mm-hmm. They can, you know, we could potentially lose to the Raiders next week. I, I hope that's not the case. And Cincinnati gets the one spot. I mean, yeah, look, it's a, it's obviously what we talk if you look at the AFC, it's a three-dog race for to to win the AFC between Buffalo, Cincinnati, and us. Uh, and any kind of edge helps and I think in in a regular season game and if you look where the teams are trending, Cincinnati now it looks really good and you, you mentioned all the stats there. They win the, they get the home game on Monday night um and it primetime game, best game of the weekend by four, Um and they, they 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 get the home field advantage tomorrow night. I think they 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 win that game, and I think it's not even close. Um, I think it, I think it is going to be a, t- like you said, that that seven to ten point game. Um, I don't think it's going to come down on the wire. I do think I do think it'll be a fun uh, offensive game, though. So if you have any fantasy players in your in your fantasy championship this weekend, I think it's a, it's a great game to have those guys in. Um, and okay, so I, I do want to ask you this: So J- Jared Stidham, right now, I I know you're not the biggest car Derek Carr fan. Uh, Jared Stidham at halftime. Uh, the their Raiders lead the nine are 17 to 14, uh, Stidham 145 yards, 11 to 14 passing two touchdowns. Um, thoughts on that. What does, that, what does that tell you uh, about Derek Carr?
0: <laughs> well, we might get another press conference with Derek Carr crying, and this time for a different reason. Uh, he's 100% gone out of Las Vegas, and I there's a part of me that does feel bad for Derek Carr because I do believe this guy is a true Raider. He really does love and embrace Raider Nation. He loves their fans. He really did want to be their quarterback to lead them to the to the the grand the grand of it all. You know, the granddaddy of them all, which is the Super Bowl. Uh, the problem, though, man, is that Derek Carr. Oftentimes gets in his own way, he overthinks plays, he runs into sacks, he throws horrendous interceptions a lot of times. Good quarterback, you know, top 12, 15 quarterback. He's in the same tier of like a Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott, you know, one of those really good guys that you can win 9 to 12 games with on a really good team. But they're just never going to lead you to a Super Bowl. But yeah, here's the thing about Derek Carr. Because of the scarcity at quarterback in this league, because of the fact there's teams just desperate to get somebody that's at his level, there's going to be somebody out there that's going to give him another massive deal. And we talked about it on the spoken podcast this week. I think I think there are some great suitors for Derek uh, Carr. Teams that come to come to mind that I think are big time realistic uh, spots are the Buccaneers, the Colts, and the Texans. I think those are the three teams you have to look at. Colts Ooh, being a Texans. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to want to go to uh, where his brother was playing. I, I don't. I'm not. I'm not saying he's going to want to go there. I'm saying teams are going to want to pay him big money to bring right. him in because. He's from the Houston area. His brother played there. There's a legacy aspect to it. They're going to pay him. They can pay him a ton of money if that's what he's looking for. Mm Because we really don't know what Derek Carr is looking for in this offseason. If he wants to win, yeah, you got to stay the hell away from Houston. But if he's wanting to go back home towards that area, play for a legacy, you know, his brother played there once, get a ton of money. That's a team to look at. And maybe the Texans don't feel good about any of these quarterbacks coming out of the draft. Maybe that's the case. But I think the Colts and Buccaneers are teams to look out for because Tom Brady's gone. And I think that they're going to look for somebody to just kind of like gloss over this situation, go and get a guy that can play capable football, with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Uh, very winnable division. Very, very winnable division. And the Colts make a ton of sense. Dome team, good defense, decent weapons. Jonathan Taylor out of the backfield with a good offensive line. There's a chance that a, a good head coach might take over. There's always rumblings about Sean Payton. I know the Saints, they want a first-round pick. Out of, out, of, out of letting Sean Payton's rights go with their coaching rights that he has, that they have over him. Mm-hmm. Maybe they would want to push him over to the AFC side of things. There's a lot, of, there's a lot of opportunities for Derek Carr, man. But I think those are the three teams that come off the top of my brain that I think are realistic scenarios for him.
1: Yeah. I mean, as for a Chiefs fan, and I know um, this week, I, I saw you retweeted the tweet. We had three and 14 against the Raiders uh, dating back to uh, when he first started uh, with the, uh, with the Raiders. And uh, it's going to be sad. It's an era. era. Uh, it's a, an era of a, uh, pretty much a guarantee every time you play, play the Raiders.
0: Uh, and yeah, I we, really miss whooping his ass. That's, that's going <laughs> to
1: I know. And the only three wins he had against us, they, they never beat us by more than uh, a possession. It was one, yeah. four and eight. Uh, yep. there's three margins of a uh, victory he had against us, but, um, well, and I, I do think, uh, and I think our guy, Brian here says the jets, I can see the jets. I mean, they look, they look decent with Mike white. I can see the commanders as well. Being another team, a, a team that's got a good defense has decent weapons. Um, And uh, yeah, I was reading earlier, I think they will probably trade him. I I think uh, Andrew Brandt had a whole thing about how they'll probably end up trading him. Um, He he has to approve on where they're going to trade him Um, because, I mean, yeah.
0: Yeah. That's going to be – that's gonna make it difficult, Marcus, because he has that no, he has that no trade clause. I know why they're sitting him because they have that forty million dollar uh, safety spending that they can't they can't afford to give that up. So they are not yeah. gonna let him this year. I get it. My point though is that there, there's a good chance they're gonna have to end up releasing him, which is gonna open up his market because I don't know how many teams are gonna just gonna try to go out and just trade a bunch of picks to get Derek Carr because that's what the Raiders are gonna ask for because they're cash broke and they don't have a ton of draft picks. The thing about the Jets, real quick, and I know we gotta move on. Uh-huh. Uh, I know that that roster-wise it makes sense because they just need a good quarterback to win 11, 12 games and get in the playoffs. I get that. But I have a problem with Derek Carr, like, picturing him hold, like handling the New York media. Mm. I just don't know if he can handle that, man. He just doesn't seem like the kind of guy that would be able to handle the excruciating pressure of New York New York media. And you know this better than I do, man. You're closer to that area than I am. And it's, it's just heartless up there, man, from everything I know. The expectations, you know, because a lot like Russell Wilson going to the Denver Broncos. If Derek Carr goes to a team like that that's a quarterback away from being a legitimate contender think about like how he's going to be viewed. It's going to be a savior aspect. It's going to mm. be like, oh, he's the guy. He's going to change everything. He's The, the, the Jets are going to move up the Super Bowl odds. Like, I don't see Derek Carr being that kind of guy, man. I think he needs to go to a mild market on a good team with, mm. with medium to low expectations and just see where it goes. I just don't see Derek being that kind of guy that can handle that kind of pressure.
1: Yeah. That, and, and that's why I think for me, I, I think number one landing spot would be the Commanders. That's a team that you know, look what they did with Alex Smith a few, a few years back. Alex Smith was a shell of what he was when he yeah. came back from that injury. He led to the playoffs. They have a good defense. They have great weapons on that team. Between and the McCormick.
0: Jack Del Rio connection. <laughs> He's the yeah, coordinator. Yeah.
1: yeah, that too. Oh, man. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's plenty of things there. So I could definitely see that. And Derek is a good yeah. guy regardless of how we feel about him. He's a solid guy, and I think that's, a, that's an organization who could use a – but, you know, a kind of uh, new blood like that, bringing a guy like that in. But yep. regardless, it'll be it's an – it'll be sad to not play him um, and get a win every year, uh, two wins every year against them. But <laughs> that does it for uh, the post-game show. JD wasn't able to join us. JD's on vacation right now with his family, so I, total, I totally get it. Um, but we'll see you for the chief concerns. We'll see you guys Thursday when our new episode drops. Um, of course, Lance. You can find him on the Spoken podcast uh, every Saturday. Um, yeah, and uh, we hope everyone had a really uh, happy New Year's last night, and we hope uh, twenty twenty three gets started everybody you know, on a good note this week. So, take it easy, everybody. Hi, everybody. Thanks for watching. Subscribe here to get the latest from the show. Also, be sure to check out the best clips from Chief Concerns. And if you prefer to listen to the show, subscribe and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify.